Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Mm, yeah. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the podcast where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. And uh, got a great show for you today. First thing, though, I, I just wanted to thank you for your support of the new podcast, Turnkey Real Estate Investing. As I mentioned on, it, on last episode, I started a second one, a second real estate podcast geared a little bit more towards passive investing in real estate. And, and this one right here is going to stay a little bit more focused on the active investing part. So again, thanks for your support. Thank you for all the great uh, reviews and the ratings. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. Love you. Uh, speaking of last episode, I got a, a few really good questions in on my hedge fund. Actually, got two. And uh, I discussed my hedge fund and how I set it up last. And I forgot a couple fundamental things. And the first question from Mario here in Carlsbad, California, uh, brought up the obvious. What's the name of your fund? So great question. And I guess I did fail to mention that. Epic Wealth Fund. That's the name of the fund. And uh, we've already got a small little website up at epicwealthfund.com. Nothing fancy, but it's there. So thank you, Mario, for uh, reminding me of that. And second question comes from Janet in San Antonio, Texas. Did you choose to, um, uh, did you file your fund under the rules of a 506B or a 506C and why? So another great question. It sounds like Janet has a little bit more intimate knowledge of a fund and how it works. Maybe she's contemplating setting one up herself. So it is a good question and it is an important one. You definitely want to know the difference. And to answer that question completely, that just might put you all asleep. So I'm not going to answer it completely. Um, I've got a great, uh, interview coming up for you and I want you to be awake when it starts. So, so the quick answer to your question, Janet, is it's a 506B, but that's about to change. And here's why I'll give you the, the fundamental reasons or the fundamental difference, uh, at least how it impacts me. This is going to be very important for any of you thinking of going down this path as well and, and creating your own hedge fund. We initially chose a 506B because they would allow us to accept up to 35 non-accredited investors. And I just really liked the idea of being able to let some of my, my friends and family in on this opportunity. Uh, they've, they've got some money to invest, but they're not accredited. So, you know, that's, that's why I wanted to let them in. That's why I did this. But oh, before I go any further, what's an accredited investor? I'll just go over that really quickly. Currently, an accredited investor is someone whose individual net worth or joint net worth with that person's spouse, it, it exceeds $1 million, not counting their primary residence. So that's one uh, way that they qualify. Or anyone who had an individual income in excess of $200,000 in each of the two most recent years or joint income with that person's spouse in excess of $300,000 in each of those years and has a reasonable expectation of reaching the same income level in the current year. So that's the two basic ways. There are a lot of, if you go read the, the SEC guidelines or the code, the rules, whatever they call that book that the SEC uh, puts these rules in, that uh, uh, there are a lot of other ways to qualify, but those are the two primary ways that most people would be concerned with. So you have to have a net worth of a million bucks, not counting your primary residence, or you got to make $200,000 a year or combined $300,000 a year with your spouse. Okay, so that's an accredited investor. 
So the 506B rule, uh, it allowed me to let up 35 non-accredited investors that aren't worth a million bucks and don't make that much money a year. So investors who don't meet that criteria. And And then I can let in an unlimited number of accredited investors. But now I'm going to be closing down this initial round of funding and refiling my fund under Rule 506C, of which will allow accredited investors only. And the reason is, you see, with the 506B, you can't publicly promote, advertise, or solicit for potential investors. There has to be an established relationship prior to really even mentioning that you have a fund or asking them to invest in your fund. So 506B puts some limitations on you uh, in, in that sense, in the sense of raising money. Under 506C, although I don't get uh, the benefit of uh, allowing non-accredited investors in, I am allowed to promote and advertise my fund freely for all intents and purposes. Uh, I just can't accept non-accredited investors. That's the big difference. So that switch is going to happen very shortly here at the end of the month. So if you're thinking of going down the path of creating your own hedge fund and, you know, say you have a Rolodex of friends and family that aren't accredited investors but still have enough money to invest into your fund and they likely will, you may want to go with the 506B. That might be a better path for you. That's why I chose a 506B, but I happened to move through my Rolodex rather quickly. And so then here I am with my hands somewhat tied with regard to raising further capital to finding other investors. I mean, the only way I'd be able to find other investors now and if I didn't refile is by just good old fashioned networking, friends of friends, asking for referrals, personal face-to-face stuff. And, and that type of work, it just doesn't really excite me. Um, it can be, I don't know. I did that type of stuff uh, for a long time. I did that in, I was in network marketing for a while before I got into real estate and it just, it just felt kind of creepy. Like you're trying to come in, the, sneak in the back door in a relationship and then boom, you're going to pop what this opportunity on them. And I didn't like that. It didn't feel good. So I didn't want to do that. I mean, it's the it's the the real estate that really excites me. And I want to focus more on the real estate. So that's why I'm going to be opening up a second round of funding under Rule 506C. So I can actually promote the fund and reach many people at once as opposed to one at a time. So there's the significant difference for me. I mean, there are other very big differences, but that's the fundamental difference that caused me to switch it up here at the end of January. Alrighty. So Thanks for your questions, uh, Janet and Mario. I appreciate it. Alrighty, so let's get on with today's interview. I had to postpone this from last week, and uh, I've got it for you this week. I have an Epic Pro Academy member and Inner Circle coaching client who just closed his first wholesale deal. It was rather a, a textbook wholesale deal, so I wanted him to come on the show and tell you all about it and give you all the details, and we're gonna do that in 30 seconds right after this. Listen, when it comes to your financial future, I've got some good news, I've got some bad news. The good news is you can make a million bucks in real estate. The bad news is there are a million ways to do it. Which strategy do you choose? Picking the right one can be a problem. The new book, Epic Freedom, is your solution. Get a free copy at freeepicbook.com. Epic Freedom. The two easiest and fastest strategies to a paycheck in real estate. Go to freeepicbook.com. Freeepicbook.com. On the phone, we are joined by Epic Pro Academy member and Inner Circle Coaching Client, Mr. Paul Hopkins. Paul, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Hey, thanks, Matt. 
Good to be here. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So you've had an exciting last couple weeks or so, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting. Perfect. I want to hear all about it, and I want to hear it step-by-step, play-by-play. But can you just kind of share with us a little bit on how you actually got involved in real estate investing? Sure thing. Um, I'm a civil engineer, and so I've been, uh, you know, I've been working for a large construction company, and I've been working in Canada for the last 10 years. But, um, you know, uh, just before my daughter was born, uh, I picked up the book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that kind of sparked a little bit of motivation in me. And, you know, I read the book in college, but, um, you know, I didn't really believe it at the time. Kind of set it aside for a while. But then, you know, after working so many hours uh, for this construction company, I, I figured there must be something uh, else out there for me. So, you know, I, I had done some uh, fix and flips on my own personal residence before and, you know, had some good success with that. But, uh you know, I, I wanted to uh, really dive deeper into it, and um, and that's that's kind of how I got started. And you know, I started searching the website, uh, started searching the internet, and uh, came across your podcast and started listening to that, and became a member and started doing what you told me to do. And lo and behold, I uh, closed on my uh, first wholesale deal on uh, December thirty first. Oh, nice, nice. Did you need the extra income for that year? <laughs> uh, it was nice, uh, but uh, no, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> uh, super. So, well, congratulations. Um, and so, you remember the academy, and you just joined the coaching program here. What late November, early December, I think. I did. I did. Yes. Super. Okay. Well, cool. Glad to have you aboard. It's been nice getting to know you, and it's nice to see that you got. We didn't quite get you your deal closed by December twenty fifth, but we did get it by the end of the year. So. Fantastic. That's right. Kind of yeah. st- step me through the process of, uh, you know, h- how did you find your deal in the first place? Well, I found it through a yellow letter, and I was targeting um, this one specifically came from a pre-foreclosure list. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I sent out um, about 140 letters. That's it. And okay. from those 140 letters, I only received two phone calls. One One phone call was from a guy that, really had no idea why I had sent him a yellow letter. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the second phone call was uh, from a distressed seller that uh, wanted to get out of his property. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, well, on your yellow letters, do you write anything special or just the basic like it shows in the Academy? Exactly how you uh, explained to do it in the Academy. All righty. Super. Um, just throwing you some softballs there. <laughs> no, actually, I, I didn't know what you wrote on it. So, uh, okay, so you found the deal, or you found the deal through a yellow letter, and you found mm-hmm. a distressed seller. So, one of the two phone calls you had were, were they were distressed. So, tell me a little bit about their situation and how you guys came to an agreement. Sure. So, <clears throat> this guy was speaking on behalf of his mother, and his mother, um, about ninety, early nineties. And she uh, she had been moved out of her property. Um, the property is in Denver, and uh, her son moved her out to Arkansas. And so the property was left vacant, and uh, you know needed some work done. And it um, so the guy received my yellow letter, and uh, uh, he gave me a call. We started talking about uh, you know his situation and. You know, I tried to build up a good rapport with the guy. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and just explain to him that I was an investor and uh, that I could help him out in his situation. So, you know, uh, tell me a little bit more about the property, and then uh, um, took it from there. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, in fact, I never even met the guy, and I ever, I never did uh, go see the property. Really? So okay. everything was all done pretty much virtual. Mm-hmm. So virtually. Super. So. Okay, so how did you come up and if you weren't there and you didn't see the property and you didn't meet him, how did you determine the value of the property or what you were going to offer? Well, just in discussion with him, um, you know, he told me that he uh, he still owed the bank about fifty six thousand dollars, and you know there was some work that needed to be done to the property. Uh, he explained, you know, there's uh, some issues with the roof, and you know it's been outdated, and um, you know he. He grew up there as a kid, and he doesn't think that uh, uh, anything had changed or been upgraded since uh, he lived there. Uh, and so, you know, just kind of rounding out some of the numbers and figures, you know, I just threw a ballpark number at, uh, you know, $20,000 $20, of estimate, mm-hmm. estimated repairs. And um, so, I, you know, I came up with um, uh, a number that I could offer him uh, based on the uh, – after repair value, mm-hmm. you know, I offered him just hundred thousand dollars cash uh, that I could give him mm-hmm. uh, for his property, and then he'd walk away with about forty grand in his pocket. Got it. Okay, so let's let's go through that. Um, how did you determine what the after repair value was? What source did you use? Uh, I went on a Zillow. Just Zillow. And, okay. uh, yep. Did you use the Zestimate, or did you look at the uh, actually recently solds? I did uh, some comps on recent solds. Okay. Perfect. And then uh, you came up with that value. And then how did you, how were you able to determine? Uh, oh, so that value probably was right around what, 200000 or so? Well, it was, it was a little bit less than that. Actually, it was, um, uh, I did it a little bit different. So I, I got the after repair value of about 165 mm-hmm. And, you know, subtracting uh, realtor fees and $20,000 of repairs. And then, you know, I was just assuming that a contractor would come in and probably want twenty grand profit. Um, so that left uh, that left about one hundred and ten thousand dollars on the table for uh, basically to you know, for me to pocket. So mm-hmm. the difference between a hundred and ten and a hundred, so I would walk away with about ten thousand dollars. Got it. And then uh, you had to pay the bank out of there. Left. Okay, so that's where he got forty. Yeah. And then ten was left yeah, over for you. Yeah, exactly. So you know there was some. Um, uh, back payments that the uh, the seller still owed to the bank, mm-hmm. um, delinquent payments, and you know some taxes, lawyer fees, and whatever else. So I would I would take that as part of my cut mm-hmm. um, in negotiations with a buyer, and uh, and that's in fact what I did in the end. Got it. So got it. Um, Sweet dude. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. So I, as soon as I got it under contract, um, you know I did exactly what you. Uh, had listed out in your uh, property marketing uh, checklist, you know, mm-hmm. that 15-point checklist going through every every single one of those. And um, it's pretty much as soon as I started posting it on Craigslist, I got, you know, swarmed with phone calls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, interested in the property. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I figured that I, I must have had a pretty good deal and uh, just started rolling with the punches and... Uh, you know, ended up uh, selling it to a to a buyer. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, the one thing about that fifteen point checklist is that you rarely get to around 
no, I don't know, point six or seven before you're actually starting to get offers. <laughs> right. And so that sounds like that was your experience. So you had exactly. sent me a few emails to, to the to the coaching email that I gave you, and I don't know, you were kind of stressed at a couple points. I could I could sense this uh, a little tension in your emails, a little worry and concern. What were some of the challenges mm-hmm. that you faced in this deal? Well, I, you know, when I first received the phone call from the seller, and that after that first initial phone call, and he said, "Yeah, like let's uh, let's go ahead and you know I'll agree to." Uh, uh, sell the property to you, I panicked. And, you know, I, I played it cool on the phone uh, with him. But then as soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's when I contacted you. And, you know, like I had, you know, a thousand questions that I threw at you. And I was like, oh, what do we do about this? What do you do about that? And then, you know, you, you put me back in check and, you know, just said, uh, you know, just take it one step at a time and uh, start marketing it. And, um, you know, go from there so Super. and and that's pretty much what happened so uh okay. basically got it under contract with the seller on november 15th and eventually closed on it you know basically december 31st so you know i had i had about a about a month to uh really go through all that uh checklist and um you know find a seller find the right price or sorry find a buyer find the right price and uh uh, take it from there. Right. To make sure that I got all my due diligence taken care of and, um, you know, just taking it one step at a time. Cool. So looking back, was there any cause for that panic? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Not, not really, now. right? Now right. that I've actually gone through it, it was, uh, you know, very simple uh, to go through each step. Mm-hmm. And looking back on, on now that you've, completed this deal and look, you look back at your whole experience, what would you have done differently or what might you do differently next time? Uh, that's a good question. Um, maybe I'd, I'd stay a little bit more active on, um, even though I got a lot of phone calls, I'd, I'd still stay active on posting the ad on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that would definitely even, that would still build up my, uh, buyers list. Um, but another thing I would do is try to keep myself a little bit more organized because I, I was getting so many phone calls that, uh, you know, I was jotting down numbers on uh, little sticky notes and pieces of paper. And, you know, I couldn't remember if I actually called somebody back. And it was just things are getting lost in the shuffle. So, you know, I'd, I'd almost set myself up a little bit more uh, to be more organized than, uh, the next time this happens. Got it. Got it. Very good. So the next time it happens, uh, tell me what your current activities look like right now so we can kind of predict when that next time will be. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm currently sending out uh, yellow letters. I'm uh, targeting absentee owners and pre-foreclosures in, in the Denver area. And uh, so the, I just sent out um, about 150 letters to pre-foreclosures and uh, 1,000 uh, letters to uh, absentee owners and a thousand postcards to absentee owners mm-hmm. uh, in the Denver area. So um, my phone should start ringing off the hook here uh, <laughs> this mm-hmm. week, actually. Any so minute. good. Um, when did when did those actually go out? Uh, I think they were going out this week. Okay. Very good. Cool. So um, yeah, I guess that's it. I- I'm excited for you, dude. That was a uh, that was pretty painless, and it came up with a nice payday and. 
you've reloaded and we're going after it again. So when that happens, uh, why don't you come back and tell us all about the next one? Sure, sure. Awesome. I guess another thing that I uh, should also mention is, um, you know, I first negotiated with the uh, with the seller um, to put it under contract for a hundred thousand dollars, and you know, after going through the diligence and you know having um, all the buyers go by the property and take a look at the uh, take a look at the property and come up with their own estimate of repairs, I was able to take that information and go back to the seller mm. and renegotiate a price. Um, and I was able to just drop it, uh, by 20 grand. So we renegotiated it at 80,000 and it was simple. All I asked him was, you know, are you willing to share in the liability with me? And <laughs> I need you to come $20,000 down. And there was no hesitation on the other line. He just said, okay. Right. And, uh, and so then I was able to, um, you know, pay it forward to the, uh, the end buyer mm-hmm. and give them a little bit more profit in their pocket. That's fantastic. So you just, you just follow the instructions, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Well, congratulations, Paul. Happy New Year to you. Good way to start off the new year. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you bet. And uh, I, know, I know you like to network. I've already connected you with another one of uh, my coaching clients in the Denver area. If someone wanted to get in contact with you and ask about questions or maybe, you know, pick your brain, have coffee, something like that. Would you be open to that? Absolutely. So how should they reach out to you? Um, two ways. They could uh, give me a call on my uh, on my cell phone, which is uh, 720-292-1616. Mm-hmm. Or they could email me at uh, paul, P-A-U-L, mm-hmm. at pawmaproperties.com. So that's P-A-M-A properties. Com. Fantastic. Cool, bud. Well, well, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and, and being so gracious, gracious with your sharing. Um, is is awesome. Just this was like a uh, not uh, it was like a textbook wholesale. It's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks to you, Matt. You know, you've <laughs> done a great job at teaching us uh, the basics, and uh, as long as you apply it, then uh, you'll be rewarded. Awesome. Well, indeed you were, and uh, thank you for uh, sharing that with me, and thank you for allowing me to help you along on your journey. We'll talk soon. Okay, sounds great, Matt. All right, take care, Paul. How you too? So there you go, Paul Hopkins. If you want to reach out to him, you may do so via his cell phone. He gave you permission. His number is 720-292-1616, 720-292-1616, or send him an email to paul at pamaproperties.com paul at pamaproperties.com it's p-a-m-a properties.com that's it for today i'm matt terrio living the dream alert alert real estate investors listen carefully a closely guarded secret reveals that closely guarded secrets aren't really that closely guarded (laughs) seriously go to findmotivatedsellersasap.com to get the inside scoop on how the nation's most successful real estate investors really find their deeply discounted properties go to findmotivatedsellersasap.com deeper discounts less secrets findmotivatedsellersasap.com You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.